Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com slash give. Enjoy the message. Good morning again. want to welcome uh, all of you here. want to welcome those of you who are watching online as well. It's been sort of great to see uh, over the last couple of years, and now there's about a couple thousand people a weekend who are joining us live when we're doing our services online. Uh, I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor, and we are in the middle of a series called All for the One. We're looking at Luke chapter 15 in the Bible, and let me tell you where we've been, and let me tell you where we're going. Last week, uh, we looked at God's primary purpose. Uh, What is his purpose for us, his work in the world? And the scripture would tell us that it's all about redemption. It's about taking those areas of our life that are damaged or broken, and not only restoring, but really bringing them to their original purpose. Next week, we're going to look at uh, how do we practice that when it comes to other people as a church and uh, really in our individual relationships as well when it becomes a little more taxing and challenging this week we're right in the middle of luke chapter 15 and as we look at really three parables in the bible stories jesus told to make a point we're going to consider how this applies to us when we're maybe at one of those points where uh, we've had a, a challenging season, where we've made uh, a, bound dis- uh, or a bad decision, and how we rebound from that. We've all, well, let, let me just see if I have the right people here today. Have any of you ever made like uh, a bad decision or two in your life? Yeah, yeah, we have, right? We think about them uh, uh, all the time, some of the big ones, the little ones not so much. Well, you know, as, as kids go back to school uh, in a couple weeks, and uh, w- we know that we're hoping that uh, this new season will be a positive one. But I want to let you know that even uh, in the back to school, you know, even uh, people who are smart uh, can make bad decisions. Came across a few examples of that. This is from an elementary school, and they are advertising their yeah, literacy night. Uh, that, and on the children's theme, this one is uh, a sign. Uh, you might get this wrong. People are eating children in this area. Yeah, not too good. And uh, this one is a back-to-school sale uh, for back-to-school savings, stock up on supplies. Now, I'm not quite sure who's that for. Uh, uh, maybe the moms or the dads. And uh, this one, when you design a playground, uh, I don't know. I thought this design uh, I might do a little bit differently as we look at this one. <laughs> that is not going to end too well, is it? Well, I'm having a little bit of fun as we head into this. Well, the, the scripture tells us as we as we move forward in our life, that it begins with what we think. 
In fact, in Romans chapter 12, it says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We know that as a goal. But we also know that we uh, sometimes don't live that out, that we can go from one bad decision to another. Maybe something that started out sort of small and now is snowballed. I've talked to people uh, in the workplace and they've made a bad decision. They made a, a cutting remark to someone. And, yet, and, then, and then it sort of escalates and now it's become this real big deal. Or a bad decision uh, when it comes to parenting where we've maybe misplaced our priorities and then we go down a road and we figure well that's the way it's always going to be and and it snowballs or in a marriage finances it happens to us all over the place well in the scripture we're given really what i would say is a cautionary tale and i want to look at that this morning uh, even if you're not a bible person in fact if you've never been to church in your life you don't believe in god don't ever intend to believe in god my guess is you are somewhat familiar with this account. There are hundreds of millions of people who are not Christ followers, never, but they know this story. And it's a universal one that touches a nerve in our lives. It says, Jesus continued. Now, now by the way, here's the context. The religious leaders were uh, criticizing Jesus because he had given people a second chance who they didn't think deserved a second chance as it said the tax collectors which were basically collaborators with the the roman occupiers other people who they classified as sinners and jesus so he tells these stories to change a perspective there was a man who had two sons the younger one said to his father father give me my share of the estate and so in ancient Jewish culture, it was more of a patriarchal society, and so uh, the boys would inherit the wealth. And he's basically saying to his father, "Is you know, I wish, I wish you were dead, in, in, in essence. I want my share of the inheritance. And in this story, it says, so he divided his property among them. And that's what the father is doing in this account. And we, we see a little bit of a glimpse here how we have our own free will at play. That God will, uh, he, he doesn't cause the, the bad things to happen in our lives, but he allows us to make decisions and we live out the consequences of those. It says, not long after the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. Now, it doesn't say what that wild living is in this passage, but his older brother fills in the details later on. Um, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. Which, by the way, if you're a young you know, Jewish boy feeding pigs, not a real kosher thing to do. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Cheery little story, isn't it? He makes a bad decision, it becomes worse, and then he's at the end of his rope. Well, well we're going to read the rest of that and sort of how he has a change of a heart and a change of mindset. 
But I think it's important to understand that spiral, that downward spiral of faulty thinking. And it's easy to judge other people. It can happen to you and me. In fact, it probably has. The first aspect of this is, number one, if you're filling in the blanks, is acting on your worst impulses. See, we all have a, a, a nature, the Bible would say it's a, a sinful nature. It's things that, that, that we do that, that aren't right, in, but when we give in to those impulses in our lives. In fact, uh, even good, godly people can do that. Uh, my very, one of my very first churches where I was a pastor, I was an assistant pastor at a small church. And it was a very, very traditional church. Uh, any of you uh, grow up in more traditional church? Yeah, lots of you. Like where the pastors wore robes and stuff? Yeah, that was me. Can you believe that? Yeah, I couldn't. Neither could the congregation. <laughs> so they, uh, they didn't appreciate any of my humor uh, at all. I'm like, why are you people so sad? You know, Jesus rose from the dead. And anyway, I was there and with a lead pastor, we sat up on stage like, you know, uh, eight feet above contradiction on the stage and we would go out uh, when it was time for the service really to get going and uh, we're there we're all mic'd up and he's saying uh, he was describing uh, the choir director they didn't get along very well and and right before service right before he's about to preach he's like oh that choir she is such a pain in the butt and I can't believe her and Jan and she does this and that and I'm and I, and I say hey hey and he says no hold on I want to tell you and this is what she did and I can't believe it and she's saying he's saying all the bad things I try to interrupt and he won't let me interrupt finally he stops and I say your mic is on the whole church can hear you that was a bad day, wasn't it? <laughs> See, here's the thing. We only think about it when. When we get caught. And we think the ultimate goal is, I just don't get caught, and then it's okay. Not really. See, we see that happen with the son. Is his worst impulses was it all about me. It's all about what I need in this moment, or I think I need. And then there's creating distance. Uh, and, and I warn those of you, especially if you're in a dating relationship or if you're uh, married, I've seen this happen. When, when things are sort of not going well, here's, they'll, you'll create distance between your family, between your friends. At church, you'll, you won't hang out here as much. Especially in a marriage relationship, when someone's thinking about leaving, what do they do? They first sort of want to be in a place where... Uh, no one's going to hold me accountable. And we do that, don't we? Because we don't want anyone to speak into our life. In fact, if you, if you say, uh, you know, I'm sort of mature in my faith. Here, here's a test for you. This is number one test. Can someone speak difficult truths into your life? You will sit, listen, and evaluate, and you will still be in relationship with them. If not, you just want to do your own thing. That's okay. God gives you a free will. It's not necessarily going to go well for you. And then there's self-medicating. That's what the son does is he, he uh, uh, with, you know, basically illicit sexual relationships, booze. And, and by the way, I'm not judging anyone. I am uh, the king in some ways at self-medicating. I really do. Whenever I'm stressed out, I self-medicate. Uh, in fact, it just happened this week. Uh, now, now, don't get too freaked out, but every once in a while, uh, I hear voices. 
And yeah, no, I was upstairs and I heard like a voice calling me. And so I went downstairs and it was coming from the freezer and it was a half gallon of Tillamook ice cream. <laughs> now, don't judge me, it was mudslide. <laughs> so if you're unfamiliar with uh, mudslide, mudslide, it's not like a typical ice cream. It doesn't have like a little drop of chocolate. It has like chunks of chocolate that are so good. And I don't know if you may be very self-disciplined. I'm not. And so uh, many of you just grab a scoop and put it in the bowl. I like the chunks of chocolate which are all in the middle. And so I was digging. Well, I, I won't tell you that I ate out of the carton, but I did. And, <laughs> and I was digging down. And finally, all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. I hit bottom. And, and I felt better. I really did. I felt better for a moment. And that's always it, right? To say, well, why are they drinking so much? Because you feel better for a moment till you don't. And you lose your health and your job and your marriage and your relationships and sometimes your sanity. Why do people, I can't believe they go from relationship to relationship. I can because you feel better until you feel empty, until it doesn't work anymore. I can't believe they spend all that money and they go shopping and all, all the time when they don't even have the money. I get it. New stuff is good, right? And you feel better until you don't have enough money, until you're working to pay the bills. See, I get self-medicating. I get why people hide at work and, and, and it's good to do a good job at work and it can become all about that until you lose your family and your relationships. See, I, I understand it and I also understand with you the downside. For really what it comes down to is this, and you might not even consider this the biggest part, but it really is, it's settling for a life of less. So think about this. Think about the son in this story. He had a family that loved him. He had stability and security. The story, by all accounts, he came from a wealthy family where there are tons of financial resources, lots of opportunity. He was just starting out life. And, all, and now he's working a job where he cannot even feed himself properly. And he's thinking, okay, that'll just be what it's going to be. And he had this, and he's settling for this. And I see it happen all the time. You know, we had, we had this beautiful moment in our marriage relationship, and now we're more like roommates. And we just, okay, it's not horrible, but we just settle for less. And when we do that, there's this sense of there should be more and here's, it, here's, here's why. Because God put that in you. Jesus said, John 10, this is the words of Jesus. This is not just a feel-good motivational thing. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it to its fullest. And because he designs us, he knows what that full life is like. He wants you, you say, well, I want to have joy. I don't know about God's way. God's way is a pathway to joy. You can go in your own way. He'll let you go there, but you'll never feel that peace and that contentment. See, here's, I sort of get, we, we want to change, sort of, right? Sort of like, uh, there, there's a lady in, in the church, uh, really wonderful, um, probably one of the most godly women in the 
people in the whole church. Uh, And I know this. I have a little mini fridge in my office. And all of a sudden, I didn't ask, I didn't anything, that all of a sudden, whenever I went to my mini fridge, it was stocked with uh, soda, diet soda. And uh, I know she did that because she's growing in her faith and she loves Jesus and, and she was just listening to the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful thing. And uh, so I, I'm like, this is awesome that she's doing this for me. Didn't even ask. Well, uh, I, I'll drink, I usually drink soda up on stage and people always say to me, Pastor Ben, you shouldn't drink so much soda. You know, that's bad for you. And I don't deny it. I always say, oh yeah, I know it's bad for you or it's bad and, and someday I'm going to quit. I so am going to quit someday. It's so bad. And then uh, I was talking to someone. Someone was giving me the normal spiel. And I said, you know, that's it. Yeah. I'm not going to uh, really drink soda anymore. Well, this week I came into my office. And guess what? I opened up my mini fridge. There's no soda. I thought she had fallen away from the Lord. I didn't know what had happened. And uh, evidently she had heard me say it was filled with those, you know, those sort of bougie BAI buy drinks. You guys like those? Yeah, not as good as soda. And uh, what she didn't realize is I know I said I wanted to change, but I didn't mean it. <laughs> Don't take me seriously. And that isn't that how we are, is that uh, I, I want to change, but I really don't. And so how do we step into a fresh start? Whether it's this season at your work, in your finances, in your marriage, with your health. Maybe your health is not where it is. And you know, hey, I need to step into a fresh start. Maybe the most important aspect of your life is your life with God. I want us to follow again down in this passage the, the prodigal son, the son who went away, and, and his, his path back. The first, and you'll know this if you've ever been through the 12 steps, is to take a fearless moral inventory uh, where we tell ourselves the truth about ourselves. Uh, I've described this many times as our red dot moment, sort of like when you're in a mall and you see that red dot, you are here, and we're just honest with ourselves about ourselves. It says in the scripture, uh, Luke 15, 17, he came to his senses and he entered. Where's somewhere in your life that you would say, you know, I really uh, need to come to my senses? Where you realize uh, the damage that your anger is doing, the opportunities you're missing with your kids. I don't know what aspect or area of your life it is, but I know every one of us have that. And we step into uh, a different life. Sigmund Freud Definitely no Christ follower, psychologically speaking, postulated this. He said, denial is a defense mechanism in which a person is faced with a fact that is too uncomfortable to accept and therefore rejects it despite overwhelming evidence. What are you rejecting? What truth do you, you know it's really true but it's just you just say, man, I don't even know if I can accept this in my life. When, we, when we're honest with ourselves about ourselves, then we have the opportunity to move forward. And by the way, who is that person in your life? 
Be careful who you invite into your life. But there needs to be someone. I always have people in my life because I want to hear sometimes those difficult truths. And people who love you and love God. And that helps us to, number two, realize you have options. That there, there are options uh, in our lives. And a few months ago, uh, I shared when during that brief period of time when Kate Spade took her own life and then Robin Williams took his life. I don't know why that hit me in such a profound way. This week, uh, I heard of someone else who uh, I knew not incredibly well took their own lives. And for me, I just, that hits me in such a, such a profound way. And I will say, I do not pretend to know everything that's behind it. Everything psychologically, maybe the, the depths of depression. But one thing I know for anyone who makes that decision is I know this part is true is that they believe they're out of options that they don't have any real options and I know this weekend that there's going to be those of us here at the campuses online that there's going to be some of you and you feel like you're out of options and if there's one truth you would grasp today I would pray that it would be that you would know you are not out of options that there is always hope. And, and, and my prayer is that you would let us, your church family, help you with that. You say, hey, I'm new around here. Well, for this season, let it, and we'll do it imperfectly, but man, let us walk with you through that into hope, into God's plan. See, God is so vast, and when we get his vantage point in life, we begin to have hope. I was talking to someone just out at the uh, Connection Center, and last year they were a difficult season, nearly lost their life to an illness, and, and job situation went so horrible, and, and it was such a bad season in so many ways. And we were just celebrating together, and just with health and career, and just how different it is a year later. We need that vantage point in our life. Now, that'll happen oftenly, organically, relationally. But sometimes there's some area where you need some help. And, and next month, we're, we're starting our, our season of groups and support. Maybe you, you're grieving. You lost a loved one and you say, I should be able to get over this. And you can't. And you're part of our, our grief share where there'll be other people who will who will stand beside you and support you. It's okay to need help. It's okay to not be okay. Just don't stay that way. Or maybe you've gone through a divorce and you, and you think, well, you know, there's good justification. It should be, and it's just not better and it's hard. And you'd step into divorce care and be with other people who, will, who are not going to come with a, any great heavy judgment, but going to walk through that with you. Maybe it's our re-engage uh, marriage, uh, really, class. Actually, the hundreds of people go through that. Pastor Carlos is going to lead that. Him and Libby are, are going to be amazing as they lead that. 
And you'll join with dozens and maybe even hundreds of other people who are saying, I want to go to the next level. I don't want to settle for less. Whatever that area, there's people who are, you know, stuck in sexual addiction and all of that. There's, there's other people. See, part of our value here, one of our values is having a low shame level. So there can be a high transformation level. And that leads to number three, is we admit your mistakes, failure, and sin. And by the way, uh, they're not always the same thing. Some things are just dumb mistakes, right? That something, not everything has to be a sin. Some things can just be dumb. Do you know that? Yeah, it, it's like you, uh, like uh, a while back I was on a flight. My phone fell. I don't know why. It was sort of stupid. I knocked off my phone. And it was, I don't know if the plane was like going to the moon. But it went not only under my seat, the person behind their seat and another seat. And so literally here I am, totally embarrassed. I'm crawling all over the airplane looking, hey, can you lift your feet up, buddy? You know? And is that a sin? Nah, just dumb. There's failures. And by the way, can you call a failure a failure and know that you are not a failure? That failure is a moment. It is not a decision about your value. Where you failed to test. You failed to meet your sales goal. And that's, that's a moment. But a sin is where we know God's plan and purpose or we ignore God and say we don't want him to be part of our lives and we say like the prodigal son I'm going to go my own way so what do we do in those moments here's what we read he says and then I'll say to him father I've sinned against heaven and against you I am no longer worthy to be called your son make me like one of your hired servants and then he does something he, see, he knows what he deserves, and so number four, he comes home. He comes home to his father. See, he didn't, he, know who he, he knew who he, who he was, but he also knew about his father. And we read this. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. See, he hoped it to be true, and then he found it to be true. And what Jesus is doing is he's painting an image of God. That God understands our mistakes, our failure, our sin. He understands our bad decisions. He gives us a path back. And that path back always includes him. Maybe you're here today and you say, hey, uh, I believe that. I, I know I need to take some steps. But maybe you're here and you'd say, really the whole God personally involved in my life, that's not true of me yet. One of the things that I get to see uh, week after week is people making that decision to allow God into their life. And I want to share with you yet again another one of those stories. Take a look at the screen. So I grew up in California and um, we moved here in 1996, which was a shock for me actually, because I had never been anywhere where it rained so much. So my mom was Catholic and she went to a Catholic school 
Um, my dad was an atheist and he talked about that all the time. And I was baptized when I was little, but there was no religion in our family. I maybe went to Young Life one time in high school and went to church one time. I felt very, very uncomfortable. I don't remember a time where my parents were not drunk for holidays or Christmas, birthdays, and so they'd have really bad fights. So I remember growing up just always having fear, even at a very, very young age. Then I got married and we ended up divorcing three years ago, and that was a very, very difficult divorce. That feeds into that fear factor that I had growing up, just Am I a good enough person? Am I pleasing everybody? Am I liked? I met a wonderful man named John and I absolutely believe God brought us together. And as we were going out a couple of weeks, he said, I've been going to this church that I like. Would you like to go? And I said, absolutely. And so when I went to Timberlake, I completely felt comfortable very quickly with Pastor Ben, because I felt like there was no judgment in the things that he talks about in showing love and letting God into your life and forgiveness. Forgiveness is a very big thing for me because I can't, it was hard for me to even forgive myself. So when Ben asked, can you raise your eyes and look at him? I knew I'm ready to look up. I'm, I accept Christ in my life and he's my savior. So I was baptized and it was interesting because I didn't know what to expect, but I was shaking. When I was done, I was literally shaking and emotions just overcame me. And that was something I've never felt ever. Well, I'd say before Jesus, I feel like I was a little bit of a mess. And now with Jesus, I feel grounded and I feel my purpose. What Timberlake and God has brought for me is the peace of knowing that this is the human condition and that there's always somebody there. And I don't have to be anything else. I can just be me. And that is incredibly powerful. Can we thank Meg for sharing her story? In, in my prayer, every time you hear a story, maybe one like Meg, where someone is saying yes to Jesus for the first time, or someone comes back to God or allows God to intervene in their lives when there's a season of struggle or indecision or bad decision, is that you'll see that and say, you know, that could be me. If I would just open myself up to God in this moment, I believe that could be true of me. I don't see how it's going to be true, but I believe God is big enough. I believe he is my creator and that he could be my redeemer, that he could bring his power and his compassion to bear in my life. And my prayer is that as we head into this new season, that whether it's some aspect of your life or it's your life with God, that you'd say, God, I'm ready for a fresh start with you. So will you pray with me? God, I pray for uh, all my friends who are uh, really walking forward in this moment. And God, for some who need a, a supernatural strength. 
God, I pray for my friends, especially those who are uh, just struggling with uh, self-doubt and indecision and even depression, God. That you would come as a great physician and that you would heal. God, that you would heal broken hearts. God, that you would also even heal physically broken bodies by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I also pray for my friends who are here today and and really have not made that step of faith. And if that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Where you would say yes to Jesus in your life. I want to invite you into a prayer. Where you would invite Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. You would start that relationship with him personally. So I'm going to pray. And if you'd just pray with me. You pray silently. I'm going to pray out loud. You say something like this in your own heart. God, I, I thank you that you love me. God, that you love me when I'm not sure if I love me. God, I thank you for your forgiveness, for my sin, for, for my failure. And God, I invite you to be the leader and the Lord of my life. I want a relationship with you. God, I, I want to walk with you. I want to live in that promise where you talk about that full life. And so, God, I don't know where you're going to lead me, but I am going to follow you. And if you've prayed that prayer, this is true of you. The Bible says anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You might say, well, what about my failures? What about my sin? The Bible tells us this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the Apostle Paul said this to a group of people who were starting in their faith. He said, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And if you said yes to Jesus, this is the beginning of that good work in you. And the Bible says, although our faith is very personal, it never really meant to be private. And so, I'm going to encourage you to take a step. We're not going to have you go to a different room or come forward or really say anything, but with everyone's eyes closed and head bowed, just like Meg talked about, it's a way to go public but still have some privacy in this place. That if you say, I prayed that prayer to accept Jesus into my life, would you just simply look up at me? Let your eyes meet mine and, and that you would indicate that decision. I'm going to look to my right and to your left. That's great. Anyone else over here? Okay. And in the center section, you can say, that's me too. Awesome, awesome. Way to go. You say, that's a decision I'm making. I'm all right. I'm going around. I'm moving over to my left. You'd say, that's a decision I'm making. I'm accepting Jesus today. All right. And up in the balcony as well. God, I just thank you for my friends who are coming to you. God, we, we celebrate because we know that there's no greater joy that you have when your children come home. Lord, we love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. 